then, episode 65 of Mosin at Large. It is that geeky time of year again. Apple is dropping new operating systems, and we have a preview of some of the features in watchOS 7 and iOS 14 from a blind person's perspective to help you as you do the upgrade. Mosin at Large Podcast. For many, it's a time of excitement. For others, it's a time of trepidation, and some people fall somewhere in the middle. Of course, I'm referring to the new series of operating system releases that will soon be here from Apple. Now, what I'm going to do is take you through some of the highlights of iOS and also perhaps watch OS if time permits. iOS 14 is a very big release from an accessibility perspective. There are some groundbreaking features in here this year. So congratulations to Apple for all that they've done. I know that when VoiceOver came to iOS back in 2009, some people, myself included, thought Apple was going to do just enough to keep legislators and regulators happy and put a screen reader in there and that will be that. In fact, nothing could be further from the truth. There is always something new accessibility-wise and VoiceOver-wise in a major release of iOS every year. When I was running my company called Mosin Consulting, I wrote books about iOS between iOS 7 and iOS 12 with the release of every operating system, and that was the iOS without the i series. I really enjoyed writing them, and people still ask me, can we have one this year? I have a job during the day which doesn't make that possible. Mosin Consulting is no longer trading But I do still enjoy following what's going on with Apple devices. And so rather than come up with a comprehensive book, and this is no replacement for that because I simply haven't had the time to do the in-depth research, I thought by way of this podcast, I would just give you a quick overview of some of the things that are interesting me about iOS 14. And if we get some time, we'll take a look at watchOS 7 in brief as well, because there are some significant voiceover changes there. So we'll get started and we'll take a look at the big voiceover feature for me in iOS 14. And this is the recognition features that have been introduced. This is going to change things a lot for you in a few respects. First, it will make it easier for you to feel a part of social media or situations where there's a picture and you want that picture described to you or there's a picture with text and you want that picture read to you. Because of my interest in politics and things going on in the world, I follow quite a few journalists and social media. And when the pressure's on, they have this habit of taking pictures of press statements, for example, that might be coming in. And they'll take a screen image from their cell phone of a statement that they might have just received. And in the past, I would send something like that or even a picture that interested me to seeing AI or Envision or any number of third-party apps that exist and do a good job of telling you what's in a picture or maybe performing OCR on the text that might be in an image. And sometimes I still do that because there might be times when that gives me a more detailed description or when I want to save some text and refer to it later. So this feature has not completely replaced that. Of course, the other problem that we have is apps that are not well-behaved from an accessibility perspective. One of the great things that Apple has done over the years is ensured that if you just develop your code when you're writing an app in conformance with some pretty simple guidelines, accessibility sort of just falls out of what you are doing. However, people like to do their own thing, use their own proprietary controls or non-standard controls, 
And sometimes we find ourselves locked out of apps that should really be accessible. They have functions. We're not talking about highly graphical games here. They have functions that we can and should be using, but they're not accessible. So iOS 14 attempts to assist us with that scenario as well. So it's a very significant breakthrough. Let's show you that. And first, I will show you how to set it up. So we'll go to the phone and we'll ask Siri to open voiceover settings. Let's take a look at the voiceover settings. Settings, accessibility, back button. I'll flick right to get to where we want to be. Tap, double, learn, voice, speak, speaking, speech, braille, voiceover recognition, button. I'll double tap to activate the new voiceover recognition settings. Using on-device intelligence, your iPhone will automatically improve the accessibility of apps, images, and text. Voiceover recognition should not be relied upon in circumstances where you could be harmed or injured, in high-risk situations, for navigation or for the diagnosis or treatment of any medical condition. Let's flick right and explore the settings available here. Image descriptions on button. I'm going to double tap and that will take us to a smaller screen that allows us to toggle this feature and also explain what the feature does. Image descriptions on. Double tap to toggle setting. And I'll flick right. 145.5 megabyte news dimmed. If you want to use this feature, you will need to download a file that's about 145 megs in length, and that will enable the image descriptions feature for you. Your iPhone will speak descriptions of images in apps and on the web. Sensitive content output heading. Here's a new heading relating to sensitive content output. Selected speak. Play sound. Do nothing. Indicate if an image may contain sensitive content. That's all that is on this screen, so I'm going to revert to the previous one. Image descriptions on button. And flick right. Your iPhone will speak descriptions of images in apps and on the web. Screen recognition on button. Your iPhone will automatically make apps more accessible by recognizing items on the screen. I'll flick left. Screen recognition on And we'll see if there are any options in here that we should be looking at. Screen recognition on 14.9 megabyte used, dimmed. I'm flicking right through the screen. Your iPhone will automatically improve the accessibility of apps that have no accessibility information, such as identifying the state of buttons or toggles, and by grouping related items together. In other apps, screen recognition can be accessed through the rotor. Now if I flick right, apply to apps, 11 apps, button. You see this model in various places in iOS where you can double tap a button and you get a list of all of the apps that you have installed on your device and you can choose which app to apply something to. I have this applying to a few more apps than necessary, so eventually I will go in and make sure that it's off where it should be off. That could be important actually because I have found one or two apps that behave perfectly accessible on their own and in fact are a model of accessibility where if you've accidentally enabled this feature with the rotor, the app is displaying unpredictable results from an accessibility perspective. So while this is a great feature, and I'll demonstrate how good it is in just a moment, I would urge caution, make sure that it is not on where it doesn't need to be on. Now I'll go back to the previous screen. Screen recognition on button. And flick right. Your iPhone will automatically text recognition on. Double tap to toggle setting. Now, the fact that it says double tap to toggle setting means that you know that if you double tap this button, you're not going to get a screen pertaining to this feature like we have with the last two. This is just a straight toggle on the screen. 
And there is an explanation of what this feature does if we flick right. Your iPhone will speak descriptions of text found in images. Self-explanatory, and it does seem to work quite well, actually, and it really does uh, make you feel a lot more included in many social media and other situations. Feedback style, speak, button. Now, with this one, there is no double tap to toggle setting message, and that means that there is a screen pertinent to this feature. I'll double tap, and we'll have a look at what we have. Selected, speak. Play sound. Do nothing. What does it do? Let's flick right again. Determines the feedback provided by voiceover recognition when active. Here we go, and I just have it on speak at the moment. I'll go back to the previous screen. Feedback style, speak, button, output options for voiceover recognition. That is how voiceover recognition is set up on iPhones that are capable of using this feature. I understand it may not be available on all iPhones, but it is available on newer ones. I should say that I am using an iPhone 11 Pro Max to do this demonstration. So what are the practical implications of all of this? Well, first of all, I'm going to show you an app that is completely inaccessible without this feature. This is the Diet Doctor app. There we go. We're going to name it because I have been contacting them for a while now on Twitter and they tell me that it is going to get better. But for now, thank you, Diet Doctor app, which is a low carb website that runs this app for giving us an exemplary demo app for these new recognition features in iOS 14. I'm going to open the app now with Siri. Open Diet Doctor. Diet Doctor Eat. Here's the app, and this is a fresh installation, so I'll flick right. And I'll flick left. And I'll just touch the screen. I'm just exploring by touch. Flicking. What a great demo app. Thank you, Diet Doctor, for being so jolly inaccessible. You can't get more inaccessible than this, mate, because it just feels like there's nothing on the screen at all. When we enable the recognition features, there are rotor settings that become available pertinent to them. I am not finding the one relating to screen recognition at the moment. So I'm going to pause the recording in the interest of brevity and flow, go into those settings I just showed you, and enable screen recognition for the Diet Doctor app. I've gone in and done that now, and we'll open the app again with Siri and get back to exactly the same screen that we were on before, the one where there was just nothing appearing at all. Open Diet Doctor. Diet Doctor Eat. D Diet Doctor. And I'll go to the top of the screen and... Am I making D diet? Yes, I think so. And we'll flick right. Login button. <laughs> Look at that. Skip button. You can hear a noise there, and I'll explain what that noise means a little bit later in this demo. Privacy policy. Privacy policy. Login making D diet doctor. D diet doctor. Right. So suddenly, this thing, because of OCR that's being performed on the screen, is actually quite accessible. Making low carb simple. Making low carb simple. Well, that's nice. Login button. Skip button. I'm going to double tap skip for now. Skip. D diet doctor. And continue Next to flick right. Button. I mean, this whole thing has suddenly come to life. No thanks button. Uh, what have we got? Next button. Email. Text field. Stay in the loop. Be the first to know about improvements and new features in the app. I mean, it's really, really hard not to go, wow, like holy soup. This, this has actually just made a completely inaccessible app. Remarkably usable. Don't miss out. Left brace. Back. Emoji. Button. 
Left break. So there's all these controls on the screen. Next. No thanks. And I'm going to double tap. No thanks. Button. And continue. Button. Let's just give it some time. Okay. By By choosing. By choosing accept, you agree with the terms and conditions. Accept button. View button. View button. Accept but accept. D diet doctor. Cooking videos. Watch our recipes being made so you can follow along. Page picker adjustable. So this is a preview of the app. Now we should now have the screen recognition on the rotor. Image descriptions. Screen recognition. And it's currently on. Screen recognition off for Diet Doctor Eat. I'll flick left. Discover the newest sorted results. All right. So what we found is that having gotten past those first couple of screens that were totally inaccessible, the app is not too bad now. And this is what you might find, because it might not be perfect when you turn this feature on, but as you can hear, it's a heap better than nothing, and it was remarkably accurate. But you may be able to get yourself to a point in some apps where you can continue without screen recognition. It might just be some of the intro screens that are causing the problem. So that's a brief demonstration of how something that a blind person would have been totally locked out of before iOS 14 is now completely usable. You can register, you can navigate that inaccessible startup screen, and off you go. Now, This does raise some interesting philosophical questions, and I know that these come up because when I was in the blindness technology industry myself working on new features, every time we would add something, say, like doing OCR on a PDF, people would quite understandably raise the fair question, are we letting people off the hook by giving people these less accurate OCR-based solutions rather than insisting on accessibility in the app itself? And I understand the principle. I also understand that if there's an app that you really want to use, then sometimes you've got to be a bit pragmatic. And I do have every confidence that Apple will continue to advocate for good accessibility practices. They consistently have sessions at WWDC and in other places that encourage app developers to follow good accessibility practice. So I think it's a good pragmatic solution, and as you can see, it can get you out of a bind. And while this is an optional kind of nice-to-have app, and there are competitors out there that might be more accessible, if you're talking about an app that could make the difference between you being able to be at a workplace successfully and not, then it is a really big deal. So I'm sure that people will have some stories to tell about this feature when it goes fully public in iOS 14 when it's released, of apps that they once tried and abandoned, and perhaps you're going to find that revisiting those apps, getting past even the intro screens and signing up, may be all that it takes to get you into those apps. Now let's take a look at image recognition. I'll go to Twitterific to do this. Open Twitterific. Twitterific, sidebar, closed, button. And I'm a Twitterific fan. That's how I consume and participate in Twitter. I'm going to find a tweet that has some sort of image associated with it. BBC Archive. Hashtag on this day 1955. The first ever edition of Cracker Jack was broadcast, hosted by Emon Andrews. Nine hours ago, attached photo, retweeted 34 times, liked 96 times via Twitter Media Studio. This tells me that there is a photo attached, so I'm going to use my actions rotor to find that photo. 
Number on this day. Open media. There's open media. That's the option I want, so I'll double tap. Image. Adult clothing. Now, that is not any different, really, from what we've had in the past from iOS, but if we just give it a second, let's try it again. Image. A group of people standing in front of a microphone. By comparison, here's the seeing AI description of the same image. Recognize. Processing. Scene. A group of people standing next to a man in a suit and tie. So we get the guy wearing a suit and tie, which we didn't know about before, but we've missed out on the microphone. And I suppose what that goes to show is that if you really want to understand a picture, well, probably ask a human. But if you want to figure it out yourself and explore, which is fun, you can try several of these recognition options, including Seeing AI and Envision AI, if you want to know more than what is available now built into iOS 14. Now let's take a brief look at text recognition and how that stacks up, and we're going to find a tweet that has some text attached as an image, something that's pretty common on social media. Ray Manchishti, I've written to the PM resigning as PM Special Envoy on 4B. I can't support internal market bill in its current form, which unilaterally break UK's legal commitments. As an MP for 10YRS and former barrister, values of respecting rule of law and honoring one's word are dear to me. Six hours ago, attached photo, retweeted 3,200. All right, there's an attached photo, and it's clearly got some text, so we'll go down. Open media. There's the open media. Image. A white paper with black text on a black surface. What I've found is that when I turn screen recognition on, that's when I get my text descriptions. So, screen recognition, screen recognition on for Twitter, terrific. Now I should be able to read the text. Close image, a white paper with black text on a black surface. All right. Image descriptions, screen recognition, screen recognition off for Twitter, screen recognition on for Twitter, terrific. I'll try that again. Image, a white paper with black text on a black surface. Character A. More content. Image description. More content. Image descriptions. Image descriptions. Off. Cl- image. Printed page. Okay. Me- button. Oh. Hello. Member of Parliament for Gillingham and Rainham, House of Commons, London SW1A0AA, the 14th of September 2020. Tell. So it's working now. There might be an easier way, but I have often found that if I have screen recognition off and image recognition on, even though text descriptions and screen recognition are separate items, I seem to get the best results by turning screen recognition on. But now that I have played with it, I am getting the full letter here, and it's quite accurate. I mentioned that after a while you may choose to disable image recognition in some apps, because while it's interesting to hear about the way that developers use images in apps, After a while, it just can be superfluous information. And I'll give you an example of this. Open Uber Eats. Uber Eats. I've paused the recording and navigated to a part of the app that really shows this image recognition feature in its full glory. Browse categories. Restaurant rewards. Button. Healthy. Button. Bowl. Fork. There we go. You can hear the pictures associated with these icons now. Fast food, button, lettuce, meat, tomato, possible text, fast food. Thai, button, bowl, soup, spoon, wood processed, possible text, Thai. Asian, button, bowl, chopsticks, ramen, wood processed. 
I mean, it's really interesting the first few times. Breakfast and brunch, button, food, tableware, wood processed. As you can appreciate after a while, you may find that this is just verbiage and you can turn image descriptions off. It's a little bit like some people will have hints turned on when they go into an app for a while just to hear what's going on. And then as they become more proficient with an app, they have hints turned off, perhaps through an activity. And by the way, you do seem to be able to set all of this up with an activity as well. If you've not played with activities in iOS, you can set up different profiles, which are loadable through the rotor, or you can associate an activity with an app, a little bit like, say, script files for JAWS, where when you load an app, certain settings get loaded and image descriptions can be assigned to activities. So the recognition features in iOS 14 will, I'm sure, be the source of a lot of discussion when they get in the hands of the general public. Very nice job from Apple. I look forward to hearing how people use these and how Apple refines them over time. Let's look at some minor changes now, but they are welcome changes, and we'll go back into voiceover settings. Open voiceover settings. Here are the settings for voiceover. Settings. Voice. 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 Tap. Dub. Learn. Voice. Speak. Speaking. Speech. Braille. Focus 40BT. E8D29272. Button. I'll double tap. Output. Contracted. Button. Input. Contracted. Button. Braille screen input. Braille tables. One. Status cells. Button. Equations use Nemeth code. Show on screen keyboard. Turn pages when pe- Word wrap. On. Alert display duration. Point fives. Ignore chord duration. Point fives. Button. This is a great idea. Ignore chord duration. Now I'll double tap because we didn't hear the double tap to toggle setting, so we know there's a screen pertaining to this feature. Ignore chord duration. Heading. Seconds. 0.50. Text field. Double tap to edit. You can enter into the text field precisely how long you want the ignore chord duration feature to be active for. And if you prefer, we can flick right. Decrement. Button. Increment. Button. This is a standard way of tweaking some of these accessibility settings. And here's the explanation. The amount of time required before subsequent key presses will be recognized as braille chords. This is useful because many of us have done this. You can be brailing away and you get a bit carried away and you find that you press the space bar and then you press another key to get on with your text entry, but you haven't let up on the space bar fully or maybe your device is being a bit sluggish. And so when you think that you're brailing away at a particular point in the file, you've inadvertently issued a chord command and you've gone into hyperspace somewhere completely where you didn't want to be. So you can tweak this to suit your own Braille input pattern. It is really cool that Apple has added this. Let's back out. Ignore chord duration, point fives, button. I'll flick right. Auto advance duration, fives, button. Here's a feature that has been in screen readers for years and has made it to voiceover in iOS 14. This is the auto advance. If you too want to run for president slash prime minister slash ruler of your country and use a teleprompter... (laughs) This may be how it's done. This is where you set the Braille display up to auto-scroll after a period. So if you get into a rhythm and you know how fast you like to read your Braille, then the text can just merrily scroll along without you having to do anything. Now, there are a couple of steps that may be necessary here. First, configure the auto-advance speed to your taste. 
And this will depend on how fast you read Braille. You might need to play with this and get it to where you like. If you do want to really play with it, then you can add the auto-advance duration to your rotor. So it's really easy for you to flick up and down and adjust the speed that the auto-advance is happening. And you may want to set that rotor option up, at least initially, until you find the sweet spot that suits your braille reading style, and then you can take it away from what is increasingly becoming a very busy rotor if you use a lot of voiceover features. Then you need to assign an auto-advanced command to actually action this command. Certainly on the key set for my focus braille displays, there has been no key assigned to auto-advance. You can use either of the methods available. Go into commands where braille commands now appear. You can also go into the commands for your specific braille display by going into braille settings, choosing the braille display under there, and then you will be able to choose the commands for that particular display and set up an auto advance command. Let's go back out of braille settings. Voice over on. And double flick right. Tap, voice, tap, double tap, learn more. Voice, speaking, speaking, speech, braille, voice over rec, verbosity button. You may have heard during this demonstration a strange noise that voiceover hasn't made before. What's up with that? We'll go in here and show you under verbosity settings. Punctuation button. Customize hop. Speak hints on. Capital letter. Deleting tap. Embedded. I'm just briefly flicking through because these are not new options. Actions. Play sound button. This is the new feature. Play sounds when actions are available. For some time, Apple's been building up a series of sounds that you can make instead of speech events for certain things like deleting an item when something is uppercase. And I personally find them great because they're just less intrusive. And I've selected this for actions available. So we'll double tap on this. Speak. The first option is speak. And that's what you've always been able to hear. Actions available whenever an action, funnily enough, is available. If I flick right. Selected. Play sound. And it plays a sound. Do nothing. And then we have do nothing. So if you don't want to hear whether actions are available, then you don't have to. And I am tempted to play with this actually because by default, the actions rotor normally has focus when actions are available. So it's no big deal to just flick down and see whether actions are there or not. So you might want to do that, particularly if you're a proficient voiceover user. Many people will just want to leave these features alone, but if you consider yourself a power user and you like to reduce unnecessary speech, then it's fantastic that Apple continues to add these features. We'll go back. Actions, play sound, button. And I'll just show you the impact of this again. So we'll go to the home screen. Twitter. And we'll flick. Facebook, for Twitterific. Double tap to open. And look at that. There's that little noise right away. There's actually a shorter pause between that sound and when voiceover says actions available. So it definitely speeds you up a bit. Let's go back in. We're not done with voiceover changes yet. Open voiceover settings. Here are the voiceover settings. Settings, voiceover, rec- verbosity, audio, commands, button. We'll double tap. All commands, button. Touch gestures, button. That's the one we want, so I'll double tap. Tap, one finger, heading. And these are set by heading. Now, I, because I navigate by heading a lot in iOS, have set up my two finger flick right and left to navigate by heading. That way I don't have to use the rotor for something that I do a lot. 
So I'll flick right with two fingers. Tap. Two fingers. Tap. Three fingers. Tap. Four fingers. Swipe. One finger. Swipe. 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 Rotate. Heading. Scrub. Tap and hold. Double tap. Hold it. Back tap. Heading. There we go. This is called back tap. Now, I believe this is not available on all iPhones. It will be available on newer iPhones. The idea here is that you have two new gestures available to you by double tapping or triple tapping the back of your phone. You can configure this like you can any other voiceover gesture. So you can assign any voiceover command. You can also assign any shortcut to a double tap or a triple tap of the back of your phone as well. And that gives you enormous power. Now, one of the things that some of us have done is to assign one of these gestures to invoke the Google Assistant. Sorry, Apple. Sorry. But it is actually really useful to be able to do this. And Google has a shortcut that they offer where you invoke the shortcut and the mic gets turned on in Google Assistant and away you go. So assigning that to a double tap, for example, of the back of the phone is really handy. So I have Siri set up with the side button and Google Assistant set up with a double tap of the back of the phone. If I flick right... Double tap the back of your iPhone. Hello, Google. There we go. Triple tap the back of your iPhone. Check Mushroom FM listeners. And I have a shortcut that gives me stats on Mushroom FM assigned to a triple tap of the back of my phone because I'm a statistics junkie. But use these new gestures for whatever you want. If you find it easier to get to your notifications, for example, by doing a double tap of the back of the phone or Maybe navigate by link, forward and back by link in a browser, any number of things, you can decide what works for you. For those who have hearing impairments, there's a lot to like in iOS 14 as well, and I'll show you that briefly. So we'll back out of here. Touch gestures, button. And one more. Voiceover, on. And one more to get back to accessibility. Accessibility features help you customize. Now I'm going to navigate by heading. Vision, heading, physical and motor, hearing, heading. Here we are on hearing and I'll flick right. Hearing devices, button. Sound recognition, off, button. This is a new feature called sound recognition. And I'll double tap and we'll go in here and the text should explain what this is about. Sound recognition, off. I'll flick right. 5.1 megabyte used, dimmed. Your iPhone will continuously listen for certain sounds and using on-device intelligence, will notify you when sounds may be recognized. Sound recognition should not be relied upon in circumstances where you may be harmed or injured, in high-risk or emergency situations, or for navigation. Let's turn it on, so go left. Five, sound recognition, off. Double tap to toggle setting. I will do just that. On. And now, I'll flick right. 5.1, your iPhone will, sounds, none, button. This is where we choose the sounds that we want our iPhone to listen for. So I'll double tap. Alarms. Heading. And flick right. Fire. Off. Siren. Off. Smoke. Off. Animals. Heading. Cat. Off. Dog. Off. Household. Heading. Appliances. Off. Car horn. Off. Doorbell. Off. Door knock. Off. Running water. Off. People. Heading. Baby crying off. Those are the sounds that you can have iPhone listen for at the moment. I haven't tried this yet, but it seems very cool. If you try this, if you have a need for it, let me know how it works for you.
In the deaf or hearing impairment category, iOS 14 also makes an effort to focus on somebody who is communicating in sign language. Handy if somebody's looking for video from an interpreter. If you have a mild hearing impairment and you're able to wear Beats headphones or AirPods, then there's a feature called headphone accommodations, which takes you through a process of equalizing the audio to suit your hearing impairment. That's something I can't demonstrate here, but you might like to play with that if you are an AirPods or a Beats headphone user. Those are some of the key accessibility features that are standing out for me in iOS 14, and as you can tell, they are significant. Now we're going to have a look at some of the signature features of iOS 14 from a blindness perspective. We're going to take a look at the home screen first, because this is the biggest revamp of the home screen in the history of iOS. And if that makes you feel a bit concerned, don't worry, you won't notice any difference at all unless you choose to change your home screen. By default, when you upgrade your iOS, you will still find that familiar grid of apps It's a static list of apps, except for the badges that sometimes tell you whether you've got new items in each of those apps. But you can make your home screens come to life with a lot of live content. And this is thanks to the liberation of widgets. Widgets in the past have been stuck on that page where you do a three-finger flick right from page one of your home screen, and you get into the Today view. And that's where you can in the past, and you still can actually, set up these widgets to display various pieces of content that you might need to look at quickly. Two things have happened to widgets. One is that they can be anywhere you want on your phone, and the other is that they can be in three levels of size. So I'm going to show you how this works, and I'll go to the home screen now. Messages. And I'm on my home screen, and I'm going to flick up. Edit mode. And we have edit mode there. That's where I want to be, so I'll double tap. Started editing. If I flick left. Done. Button. Add widget. Button. We have add widget. So the edit mode looks and feels the way it always has. If you want to move apps around, if you want to delete apps, this is where you still come. Except to the left of the done button, you have this new add widget button. Widgets can come from third-party apps. They will need to be adapted for iOS 14 to be able to go where they want to go on your phone. I suspect that you will see a glut of iOS app releases in the next little while because developers have been given plenty of documentation and notice from Apple. So a lot of developers have been working on versions of their apps that provide these widgets. They realize that they are going to be very popular new features But if your app hasn't been updated for a while, then that's why the widgets that you might want is not going to show up on this list. There does have to be an update to your app for it to take place. Apple also has a range of stock widgets available in iOS 14. Let's double tap the Add Widget button. Search widgets. Search field. Double tap to add it. If you have a lot of widgets, you can search, but I'm just going to flick to the right. Weather. Smart stack, widget, stack, medium, suggested, button. Woo, there's a lot there. This is a smart stack, and smart stacks are where Apple is going to make a call about what you want to see at a particular time of day or possibly based on a particular location. With smart stacks, you get a whole lot of widgets stacked on top of each other, and when that happens, when you add a smart stack to one of the pages of your home screen, 
there will be an item in the actions rotor where you can flick up and down between the widgets. For now, I'll flick right. Fitness, activity, widget, small, suggested, button. Apple has renamed the activity app to fitness, so you can add this if you want and find out how your goals are doing. Photos, for parcel, widget, small, suggested, button. I'm beta testing the Parcel app, which is just one of my favorite apps. I can chuck all my different packages that I'm waiting for into Parcel. It keeps track of them all. So I may want to move this to my home screen so that I can just check on all my packages. Reminders, list, widget, maps, widget, Siri suggestions. So there's a lot here. Siri suggestions is a good one. Artificial intelligence works out things that you typically do at a given time of day and can suggest them to you. But I'm just going to go to the bottom of this list, actually. Calendar, button, clock, five, fitness, map, mute, new, no, part, photo, pod, remind, screen, short, stock, TV, tips, weather, tips, weather. Weather is the one that I'm going to demonstrate because a lot of people might want the weather on their home screen. Now I'll double tap weather. Weather, heading, and flick right. Close button, forecast. See the current weather conditions and forecast for a location. Widget preview, small, Granada Village, 12 degrees Celsius, mostly clear, high of 13 degrees Celsius, low of 8 degrees Celsius. This is the preview of the small weather widget. The larger the widget that you add, the more space it takes up on your home screen on whatever page you choose to add it, and therefore the fewer apps can appear on that page, or other widgets for that matter. Page one of three, adjustable. Page one of three here shows you the small weather widget, and if I go to the second page by flicking up. Page two of three. Page two of three. Now we've got the medium one, and if I flick up. Page three of three. We've got the large one, so I'll, I'll review the screen. Weather, heading, close, button, forecast. See the current weather conditions and forecast for a location. Widget preview, large, Granada Village, 12 degrees Celsius, mostly clear, high of 13 degrees Celsius, low of 8 degrees Celsius. 6 a.m., windy, 12 degrees Celsius. 6, 22, windy, 12 degrees Celsius. 7 a.m., windy, You see, so now we've got a lot more detail, and this is going to take up much more room. But I think that the small widget will be fine, and it usually is for widgets on your home screen, because you can double-tap and go into the actual app. Add widget button. Page 3 of 3. Page 2 of page 1 of 3. So I've gone back to page 1 of 3, which is the default, and is the small widget, and now I'll double-tap. Add widget button. Add widget button. I'm going to get out of the edit mode by going up to the home screen. Finished editing. Messages. Now, there's my messages, but if I flick left... Weather. Widget. Granada Village. 12 degrees Celsius. Mostly clear. High of 13 degrees Celsius. Low of 8 degrees Celsius. We have the weather on the home screen, and that will dynamically update as the weather changes. Now, as more third-party app developers release iOS 14-compatible widgets, I have a kind of a vision of the way I would like this to work. I have a lot of news apps, for example, and I am expecting that they will really embrace this and update their widgets to work with iOS 14. So I can imagine a page of my home screen devoted to news stories. So I can just flick there and have a quick glance at the news as it's coming in. 
Maybe I'll have another page devoted to just different bits of data that I'm Whatever. interested in. Who knows how it will work? See, it's updating right there in real time as I record this. But the way that we structure our home screens has the potential to change radically and for the better. And I think we'll have a lot of discussion on Mosin at Large about the way that we are using this feature and structuring our home screens to be dynamic. A couple of things before we leave this. Obviously, if you add a widget, then some of your apps that were on that page of the home screen are going to get shunted to the next page if that page was full to make room for the widget. Also, you can drag widgets on top of one another to create your own stacks. For example, you could create a multi-stack news widget and flick between different news sources. So there are all kinds of ways to structure this to suit your taste. Another big feature in iOS 14 is the app library. Now, this is one that I personally am not excited about because I am a neat freak. (laughs) And sometimes when people look at my iPhone screen, they say, wow, your your phone is so organized. And it is true. I have a lot of folders that I've organized over time. Whenever I download a new app that I know I'm going to keep, it goes in the right folder. And if it feels like there's not a right folder for it, then I create one. So I've only got two pages of apps, even though I have many hundreds of apps here. But some people, it is true to say, have a life. And they don't spend time organizing their apps like that. And for them, the vast majority, the new app library feature will be very welcome. So how do you get to it? Well, I'm on page one of my home screen at the moment. I perform a three-finger flick left. Page two of two, feedback. And now, even though it says page two of two, I can perform another three-finger flick left. App library, search field. At the top of the app library, you can enter text in a search field to find the app that you want to launch. Otherwise, we can flick through and it's quite logically organized. Suggestions. Settings. I'll flick right. Uber Eats. Double tap to open. I have suggestions relating to apps I've opened recently or apps I tend to open at this time of day. For example, in the morning, I would tend to open the New Zealand Met Service app to check weather conditions for the day. It's the best source of New Zealand weather. Ulysses. Double tap to open. Recently added. Diet Dr. Eat. Double tap to open. I uninstalled and reinstalled the Diet Dr. Eat app that I demonstrated earlier in this podcast because once you get past that initial screen, it's actually fairly good with accessibility. So I needed to demonstrate it as a new user. So it's coming up as a recently added app. Music Smart. Double tap to open. NZ COVID Tracer. Double tap to open. These are apps I've installed recently. Recently added folder. Eight apps. Double tap to open. And we can go into a recently added folder. Now, I don't have a recently added folder on my machine. So these are folders that the app library has chosen to create for me. And they only apply to the app library, not the home screen. So artificial intelligence will group your apps into folders. If you tend not to do it yourself, you will love this. Productivity and finance. Mail. Seven unread emails. Shortcuts. Teams. Productivity and finance folder. 70 apps. Social. Twitterific. Periscope. Twitter. Social folder. 20 apps. What you're seeing here is 
frequently used apps from these categories, like social, for example, or productivity, and then you have a list of apps that you tend to use a lot, then you have the opportunity to double tap and reveal the full list of apps that Apple has categorized into that particular category. From an accessibility point of view, the one thing I do wish is that each of these folders were separated by heading, particularly in my situation where I have dedicated gestures to navigate by heading. It would really speed the process up, but maybe that is something that we will see in a future version of iOS. There is a setting pertaining to this that you might be interested in. Open settings. Settings. Search. Jonathan, Airplay, Wife, Blue, Mo, Person, VPN, Notific, Sounds, Do Not Dis, Screen Top, General, Controls, Display, Home Screen, Button. Here's a new feature in iOS 14 called Home Screen. Newly downloaded apps, Heading, Selected, Add to Home Screen, App Library Only. The default is Add to Home Screen, which is going to work the way it always has. If you don't want your apps added to the home screen, if you don't want the clutter, then you can add only to the app library. I'll flick right. Notification badges, heading, show an app library, off. I'm going to actually turn this on. I'll double tap. On. And this will make sure that any badges pertaining to the apps will show in your app library as well as on your home screen. Now we're looking at some more minor features, but this one really appeals to me and it may appeal to you. If you follow the Mosin at Large Twitter account, You will know that as well as tweeting about this podcast and getting your feedback, I also tend to share on that Twitter account a lot of news, usually about technology, but sometimes about blindness or other things. And one of the things that has frustrated many of us is that recently in the iOS share sheet, you have to flick past this list of recently contacted people before you get to the share sheet items you're interested in. And there has been no way to turn this off. And now there is. So I'm going to show you how to do that. It's tucked away somewhere you might not expect. Open Siri settings. Here are my settings. Settings. I wonder if Siri gets nervous every time you open its settings. (laughs) All right. This is another example of where having gestures allocated to moving by heading is so handy. So I've set up this custom gesture of a two-finger flick, right? Siri suggestions, heading. That's taken me all the way past all the Siri settings, the voice and feedback, that kind of thing. And now we're on Siri suggestions. And I'll flick right. Suggestions while searching, on. Suggestions on lock screen, on. Suggestions on home screen, on. Suggestions when sharing, off. That's the one. Double tap to toggle setting. Suggestions when sharing. When you turn this off... It takes away all those contacts that you've been in touch with recently at the top of your share sheet. Hooray! You can still go into messages or mail or WhatsApp or whatever and share things. You just don't get that long list of contacts at the top anymore. Apple has introduced a compact phone user interface. I personally prefer to go back to the old way where when you get a call, it's full screen And if you prefer that, go into phone settings, you'll find the relevant setting there. If you are a Netflix watcher, hopefully you have discovered a while ago that you can pause Netflix and then go into the control center and press play and the audio of Netflix will play even though you're not in the app and then you can power off your phone 
and save a lot of battery life and just listen as a blind person to the audio from Netflix and it will go for hours and hours and hours that way. Similarly, you can upgrade your YouTube to YouTube Premium and you can hear YouTube audio without being in the app. But they are exceptions. Generally, what has happened is that when you exit a video playing app, you lose your audio as well. The app stops. Now, with iOS 14, you have picture-in-picture, and that means that most video apps will continue to function with a little video window going on somewhere on the screen. And it's great for blind people because it means you can get on with other things while you are listening to the audio from a video app. This has been something in iPad OS for a wee while now. It's come to iPhone. In messages, there are a few nice changes. One I think that many in our community will appreciate is the ability to record a message with Siri. For example, I can say, send an audio message to Bonnie Mosen. Okay, recording. Hi, sweetie. I am now recording this message to you as part of my iOS 14 demonstration. Great. Send it to Bonnie? Yes. Okay, it's sent. You have been able to send audio messages in iOS for quite a long time, but the Siri integration is a great step forward. The one thing you have to be mindful of, though, is you can't pause too long. Now, we in the blind community love to send very lengthy audio messages. You may be better using the old method for that because... If Siri detects a bit of a pause, then it's going to go beep beep and stop recording. There are various exciting messaging changes. One of them is the ability to pin conversations that you access regularly to the top of your message list. So if I go in here, open messages. Right at the top of my message list. Messages, compose, search, conversations, Bonnie, pinned. I have pinned conversations for family members that I communicate with regularly. The logic being that if I really want to review a conversation or braille a message or type a message with my Bluetooth keyboard, I want to get to my family members quickly. So I can do that now by pinning the conversations to the top of my message list. Heidi, pin, Richard, David, so there are all Nicholas. my kids there as well. Spotty, pin. There's Anthony, my nephew. And then we go through to the regular messages. When you have a conversation pinned like this, VoiceOver won't speak the last message if you've already read it. However, if there is a new message in a pinned conversation, VoiceOver does say unread and it will speak that unread message before you go into the pinned conversation. So it's great. To pin a conversation, or unpin one for that matter, so if I go up to... Richard, Heidi, Bonnie, pinned. Now, if I flick down... Unpin Bonnie. You can just unpin, and then it will go back to its natural order based on when you last communicated. Also in Messages, there is a new Mention feature. This works very similarly to Slack or Microsoft Teams, or actually, for that matter, Twitter. If you're in a group conversation, you can use the at symbol to mention somebody by name, and then it's easy for you to go through that conversation and find out if you are mentioned. In fact, there is a new rota option that becomes available in a message conversation that will allow you to move through mentions. 
You can also reply to specific messages. These are known as inline replies. So you kind of got a bit of a threading thing going on here that can be very useful in a busy group conversation environment. And I'm sure that businesses will appreciate this a lot as well. You'll be aware if you follow the tech news that there's a bit of scrutiny heading Apple's way at the moment pertaining to antitrust, alleged antitrust activities. And one of the things that Apple has done this year is to allow you the ability to set email and browser apps as your default that are not Apple apps. I certainly appreciate this because Microsoft Edge is my default browser in Windows, and it's great to have it as my default browser on my iPhone now too. I am using the developer beta of Microsoft Edge on my iPhone. It is free to get on there. I believe you can pretty easily find out how to get the test flight build. So this is not possibly available in the public version yet. I'm sure it will be very soon, though. It is available in Google Chrome, though. I'm aware that that has hit the App Store with this feature. So we'll go into Microsoft Edge settings. Open Edge settings. Opening settings for Edge. Settings. Edge heading. Allow Edge to access head microphone. Siri insert background app mobile data. Default browser app. Safari button. Here we are. Default browser app and currently it's set to the Apple default of Safari. I'll double tap. Selected Safari. Edge. Double tap Edge. Selected Edge. Select default Edge back button. Edge back button. Edge. And now... Setting Edge allow microphone back mobile default browser app Edge button. That's done. Whenever you choose a web link from any app, it will open in Edge and not Safari. There are plenty of other minor changes in iOS 14 that add up to an improved experience, but one significant advance I want to show you is a new app, and this is the Translate app. It's really easy to use and it can be quite handy. The idea is that you type or paste in text and it will translate it for you or you can talk. So this would be useful if you find yourself in a country that doesn't speak your native language and you're not really clear about how to communicate and it can go back and forth as well. So if you pass the phone around, once you choose the two languages, you can go in either direction. Let's give you a quick demo of this. Open Translate. Translate from English US button to Spanish button. And the first time you open this app, you'll be given some information about it. And that actually applies to not only this new app, but also apps where there have been significant changes in iOS 14. So when you download this for the first time, be on the lookout for little previews that pop up the first time that you run familiar apps that tell you about things that have changed. It's a nice feature. So we've got from US English, and I won't bother changing that to another English dialect, that's okay, to Spanish. I'll flick right. Enter text. Text field. Double tap to edit. Use the rotor to access misspelled words. I can type text into this edit field. It's just a standard edit field, but if I flick right. Listen button. Speak in either English or Spanish to translate. Use magic tap when finished. So I will double tap this and start to talk. And when I finished, I'll use the magic tap. Now that is a two finger double tap. And for those not familiar with this term, they call it the magic tap because it does so much. It can answer and end calls. It can start and stop music. It's very context sensitive. 
So I'll start talking once I double-tap this button. Hello, my name is Jonathan, and I live in New Zealand. It is Tuesday night, and I am recording in my studio. I am testing the iPhone Translate app, and hopefully somebody who is fluent in Spanish will confirm how accurate this translation is. Hola. From English. And it will work the other way, so I could give you some Spanish text that I might have taken from a Spanish language website and put it in the edit box, and it will come back as English. So that's the Translate app. It has all sorts of use cases. The other iOS 14 feature I wanted to highlight is an API feature. Now, API stands for Application Programming Interface. APIs are a bit geeky, but they're very important in the Apple world because iOS is very secure. It's sandboxed. And so the only way that app developers can hook into certain things beyond what apps are able to do is when Apple exposes application programming interfaces. In iOS 14, Apple has made significant changes and expansions to the way that app developers can record audio. You'll remember that I got an iPhone. I can't even remember which one it was now. And I know that there are people who have much greater memories about my podcasts than I do. So that was telling me I was the blindside number, whatever. (laughs) One of the iPhones we got two or three years ago, they introduced video recording in stereo. And they did specifically say at the time, stereo video recording. And I was interested to find out whether any enterprising audio app developers could take advantage of this and record audio in stereo. And as we now know, even Apple's Voice Memos app, which has had a bit of a refresh in iOS 14, by the way, couldn't record in stereo. So I was a bit disappointed by that, as were many of us. In iOS 14, Apple has spent a lot of time giving developers more control and explaining how it works. You have a number of microphones in your iPhone. And in a typical use case, some of those mics are actually being used for noise cancellation. But with iOS 14, Apple is giving app developers the ability to configure the array of microphones, how they will be used. So yes, that does mean stereo recording. And I expect that in the next little while, you will see some very exciting software updates from audio app developers. And I'll be interested to see who gets out first with some pretty cool configuration options. As is always the case, when a new version of iOS drops a major version, you will see a plethora of app updates, sometimes with quite significant new features. So even if you are one of those people who keeps their app updates turned on and just let the app updates come in, I would encourage you to go into the App Store and read your update notes, the release notes for all these apps that you're getting, because you may find some quite significant new functionality. Speaking of the App Store, another cool feature, if I go to the App Store, open App Store. I'll flick right. My account button. And double tap. Double tap. And navigate by heading. 
Account heading. Updated recently heading. Here's a list of apps that have updated recently. If I flick right. PayPal today. Sell. Here's the PayPal app. Now, what if I don't want the PayPal app anymore? Sometimes you go in here and you see an update to an app and you think, I really don't use this app. I'm doing that. What is that? Marie Condi? Is that her name? <laughs> that everybody goes on about. I'm decluttering my life and I don't need this app anymore. Now you can delete the app right from the screen. We'll just flick up. Delete. And there we go. If we double tap, you can delete the app. While I'm talking about deleting apps, you can't do this from this screen. If you go in and delete the app, the only option you have is to delete it. But when you go into the edit screen on your home screens and you delete an app from there, you have a choice now to either delete the app just from the home screen and keep it in your app library or completely delete the app from your phone. And those are some of the features that are new in iOS 14 that have caught my attention. It's not an exhaustive list, and I have no doubt you will find things that are of interest to you as you traverse the wonderful world of iOS 14. Let's take a look at the wonderful world of watchOS 7. Now, there is a lot that is groovy about accessibility in watchOS 7. VoiceOver has had a lot of attention in this release so congratulations and thanks to Apple for that. The one thing I would say before we get into voiceover is that there's one thing that Apple has taken away, besides the charging brick in the new Apple Watch. This is actually in software, and it is Force Touch. This is where you can press firmly on the watch face and get context menus. If you are a Windows user, it's a bit like pushing Shift F10 or whether you're using Mac or Windows, it's a bit like right-clicking and you can get these contextual options. And of course, you may be familiar with the 3D touch or the uh, haptic touch as they now have in iPhones. This has gone away in watchOS 7, I presume because the technology may not be in the new Apple Watches that have just been announced. So you will need to look for other ways to perform some of this functionality. In some cases... Apple has provided this functionality in the rotor, in the actions rotor for voiceover users. In other cases, you'll need to go hunting in settings or somewhere else. For example, if you like your apps ordered in alphabetical order in the list view, you used to force touch when you were on the home screen to get that. Now there's a separate setting available in the settings app in your Apple Watch. So just be mindful of that. It takes a bit of getting used to, but we adapt pretty quickly to these things, don't we? So I have the Apple Watch on my wrist, and if time had permitted, I was intending, because I'd worked out how to do it, to connect my Apple Watch to my mixer to give you the best audio possible. Apple is dropping watchOS 7 a little earlier than I was anticipating, so forgive me for holding the Apple Watch up to the microphone. I believe it's still pretty audible. I have the Watch Series 5, and the speaker on that is really good. I'm using the Nuance Daniel text-to-speech engine, and this is one of the features that I'm very grateful for, that you can now choose a different vocalizer voice from the one that is default for your region. In Australia and New Zealand, the watch defaults to Karen, and I prefer the Daniel voice, so I really do appreciate having that choice. Let's go in and take a look, and we will wake the watch up. 8.37am and one second. And I will press the digital crown... Home. Activity. Button. I have the apps in alphabetical order. I'll flick right. RNZ. Button. Now I'm going to use the Actions rotor available. gesture. Headings. 
And we have the rotor in watchOS 7 for voiceover users. Language. Now, I've gone to language, and if I flick up... English, Australia... English UK. And those are the languages that I have on my language rotor, but you can add others. English. English UK. Volume. We can change the volume of the voiceover speech. 100%. Language. Headings. Language. Volume. Speaking rate. Words. Characters. Actions. And so Headings. I do find the rotor gesture a little challenging to do on the watch face, but I'm sure I will get used to it. Let's go to the settings app. So we'll say open accessibility settings. Sorry, I can't, I can't help, help you with that, that on, Apple, on Apple, watch. Apple Watch. All right, let's try open settings. Settings. Heading. You may have noticed some double speak there. When Siri speaks on the watch, you do often also hear voiceover saying the same thing, which can be a bit disconcerting. Let's flick right through settings. Jonathan Mozen. Notifications. General. Do not disturb. Aeroplane mode. Mobile data. Wi-Fi. Bluetooth. Display and brightness. App view. Now that is where you will change the way the apps look on the screen, by the way. Accessibility. And here's accessibility. We'll double tap. Vision. Heading. VoiceOver. On. And we'll double tap and have a look at VoiceOver changes. VoiceOver. Switch button. On. VoiceOver speaks items on the screen. Bullet swipe left or right to select an item. Bullet double tap to activate the selected item. Speaking rate. Heading. 50%. VoiceOver volume. Heading. 100 Haptics. Switch button. On. What you find is that when you swipe through things on Apple Watch, now you do get a bit of haptic feedback as you swipe through. You can disable that if you prefer. Siri voice. Switch button. Off. When this is on, voiceover will use the Siri voice. Braille. Wow. Braille on the Apple Watch. Let's take a look at this. Output. Six dot. I'll double tap. Selected. Six dot. Eight dot. Contracted. And set it to contracted. Contracted. Yep, that's all there is. Selected. Contracted. Searching. Dimmed. Output. Contracted. Input. Six dot. We'll set that to contracted as well. Six dot. Eight dot. Contracted. Selected. Contracted. Selected. Automatic translation. Switch button. Off. Back button. We'll go back. Input. Back button. Braille. Back button. Choose a braille. Searching. Dimmed. Output. Contracted. Input. Word wrap. Switch. Alert display duration. Heading. Three seconds. Braille tables. English unified. Braille tables. And those are the Braille settings. So I need to put a Braille display into pairing mode, and we will give this a try. It is a bit of a lottery. I find that with pairing Bluetooth accessories with the Apple Watch, I have, for example, an Oticon Connect clip that I use with the Apple Watch from time to time in lieu of MFI hearing aid support, and it can be really difficult to get Apple Watch to see the device. Once it's paired, it seems fairly reliable to connect and disconnect, but the pairing process and the discovery can be a bit challenging. So let's see if we can make it work. Focus 40 BTE 8D 29,200. Focus 40 BTE 8D 29,272. We'll just see if we can get the pin screen to come up now. Yep. Pit one, two, three, four, five, six, eight, nine, zero. 
Focus 40BT Now, that did take me a long time to get that to work. It probably took me about 15 or 20 minutes of uh, trying to get the two devices to see each other. Now that they are connected, I'm hoping that it will be much simpler. So let's see what we have now. I'll use the Braille display to navigate. Output contracted. Focus 40 BTE8D29272. Output input contract word wrap. Switch alert display duration. Heading three seconds. Braille tables. Braille tables. So we don't have any ability to customize commands, but I am seeing this on the Braille display. Braille tables. English Unified, and if I do an H chord, yeah, I can go home. If I do two H chords, so that actually is pressing the digital crown effectively twice, so that's fine. I'll just lower the microphone so it's a little closer to the Braille display so I can have a play with this. On the focus, I should be able to press the button above the rocker switch. Messages. Messages. Yep, and that Edit. launches the app. New message. Bonnie Mozen, 8.16 a.m. Exactly as expected, really. No surprises. Except that the new operating systems are being released tomorrow. That was Bonnie Actions asking available. me what I thought of the Apple event because I was so busy she left to work without me having a chat to her this morning. Bonnie. I'll press the Back button. button above the nav rocker and I'm in that message thread. I presume I can do a 456 chord. Details. Yep, I can indeed, and I've got to the bottom of the screen. I can now use the rockers to move up. Send location. More. English. Language. Nah. Button. No. That. Sorry. No. Great. Yeah. Yes. Yes. See you soon. In a meeting. Sorry. Talk later. These are the canned responses. Thank you. Thanks. No problem. Sure. Okay. On my way. What's up? Hello. Apple Pay. Digital touch. Emoji. But Braille. Button. If I tap the Braille button here, and I can do that by pushing either one of the cursor routing keys or the button above the uh, rocker here in the case of the focus. Text field. Cancel. Button. Now focus has just jumped to the cancel button. Cancel. Send. Button. Send. Cancel. Button. Okay, it doesn't look like there's an edit field, but I presume I can just start to type now. Dot, uh, space. Yep. I A, M, space. am brailing. I am space. I'm not getting any echo back um, with my display connected. I'm using contracted Braille to my Apple Watch. Now, I'm not sure if I can review that. It doesn't look that way. So I will just send it and see what we get back. I presume I, I can now review it. So it doesn't look like that has actually been sent, even though I brailed into it and pushed the send button, but we'll try it again. Text field, cancel, button, send, button, text field, is editing, character mode, insertion point at start. Now this time a text field has come up, so it may be just a bit problematic, but at this stage the text field has come up, so I now should be able to write and review. Space. Yes, that's working as I would expect. I am Space. sending 
use this through my Braille with an uppercase B display connected to my Apple Watch. All right. And it's taking a while to catch up, actually. Or maybe... Right, so that's a chord problem on my part. It's it's still, I think... Let's see. Space. Display. Space. Connected. Yeah, it's taking a very, very long time to... Cancel. Button. Input that text in contracted Braille. And it seems to have, ah, now it has unpaired entirely. And I've obviously out-brailed it, and it has completely unpaired itself. So uh, there's a lot of work to do. We are familiar with this, of course, with uh, Apple and Braille. And I, I should say that that's why all of this testing time during watchOS 7 was so important, so that we could have provided more feedback and um, given the engineers a chance to fix anything that we found. So it's great. It's looking very good for output. And I suspect if you turn off some of the contracted input where Apple has always been a little weak and you braille in uncontracted braille, it may well be a little bit more forgiving. But at the moment, I have lost entirely the connection to the watch. Another big new voiceover feature is, as we've mentioned previously... Rotor languages. The rotor languages are double tap. English UK. Add new language. English rotor languages. Back English U. Add new. Add new and language. the reason why only English UK is here is because since my region is set to New Zealand, then Karen is automatically here. I can double tap add new language. English US. English Australia. English Ireland. English South Africa. English India. Arabic. And then Saudi we have Arabia. other languages. So we'll go to English, English US, English, for example. English, US. I'll double tap. English UK. Rotor languages. Back button. English UK. English US. Add new language. Now English US has been added. So if we use the rotor. Volume. Language. English. Australia. English. US. And we have Samantha. English. US. English UK. And now I'm back to English UK. So you don't have the big list of choices that you have on iPhone and some other Apple devices, but you do now have choice right there on the rotor. And of course, you still have access to Siri, as we saw in voiceover settings. If you would like to use the Siri voice as your voiceover voice, that is still available to you as well. So those are some of the key things that have changed with voiceover in watchOS 7. What I'd like to do now is show you a couple of mainstream features. But the first one will be of particular interest to many blind people. And for those who are unaware, I say that because some blind people who don't have light perception experience a condition called non-24. And we've talked about this on various podcasts and shows that I've done over the years. We've had sleep experts talking about this, particularly Professor Stephen Lockley, who has studied the subject at some length Those who don't have light perception are not often getting a signal sent to their brain by the pineal gland to produce melatonin when the sun goes down. And that means that your sleeping patterns, your circadian rhythm, can be all over the place. So if you really want to, 
You can now track your sleep with your Apple Watch with built-in technology. Of course, many people, whether they have non-24 or not, experience difficulty sleeping because of insomnia, the sort of stresses of modern life. You have been able to track sleep with third-party apps on Apple Watch, really, since the watch came out. And as you test this, as you get watchOS 7 in your hands, I'd be very interested in hearing your feedback. If you've been inclined to use these apps before, how does what Apple offer compare with any third-party tools that you've used? You can drop me an email, of course, on any of this, jonathan at mushroomfm.com with an audio attachment or write it down, and the listener line number 864-60-MOSIN in the United States, 864-606-6736. Open sleep. 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 Heading. And we'll go through the setup process. Use sleep to schedule your wake-up alarm. Bedtime and bedtime reminders on Apple Watch and iPhone. Next. Button. We'll double tap. Next. Sleep. Back button. Set a sleep goal. Sleep can recommend a bedtime and wake-up alarm. Eight hours. Zero minutes. Adjustable. Well, they tell you that that's Actions available. good for you, isn't it? So we'll go with that. After you wake up, sleep can also let you know if you've hit your goal. Next. Button. Set your first schedule. Heading. Active on. Every day. Button. Wake up. Heading. So let's set a different schedule for weekdays and weekends. Every day. Let's see if we can do that. We'll double tap every day. Button. Button. Cancel. Button. Button. Now there are a couple of unlabeled buttons, which is really unusual for Apple. Button. Button. Cancel. But we'll go through. Done. But days active. Heading. Selected. Monday. Button. Selected. Tuesday. Selected. When. Selected. Thursday. Selected. Friday. Selected. We'll double tap Saturday to unselected. Selected. Sunday. Sunday. And Sunday as well. Indicates a day that's been scheduled. Selecting a scheduled day moves it to this schedule. Indicates a day. And. Select. Days. Done. Cancel. Button. Button. I. Button. Can. Done. Guess we tap the done button. Sleep. Back button. Set your first schedule. Head active on. Weekdays. Button. Yep. Wake up. Heading. Button. Alarm. Dim. Switch button. So there is another button that is unlabeled here. And I wonder whether having a little bit more time to beat a test and feedback might have helped. Button. I'm going to double tap that unlabeled button. Selected. AM. Button. Six o'clock. Adjust. Zero minutes. PM. Button. Cancel. Button. So this is the wake-up time. PM. Zero min. Six o'clock. Selected. AM. Button. I like to wake up a little earlier. Six o'clock. Adjustable. So we'll just flick down. Five o'clock. And flick right. Zero minutes. One minute. Oh gosh, that's going to take a while. Let's see if we can wind the digital crown. Five. Yep. Fifteen minutes. Twenty-one that's, minutes. Yep, the digital crown Five, cranks 20, it up. Twenty-seven minutes. Twenty. Thirty minutes. Thirty. Cancel. Set. Button. And we'll set it. Sleep. Back button. Weekdays. Button. Wake up. Heading. 5.30 a.m. But alarm. Switch button. On. Sounds and haptics. Early riser. Button. Now we can audition different alarm sounds. Sound and haptics will play if you wear your watch to bed. Bedtime. Heading. So let's have a look at some of these sounds. Sound and, sounds and haptics. Early riser. I'll double button. tap. Button. Button. 
some more unlabeled buttons there. I think they're the same buttons uh, that aren't labeled in the, that other screen. Cancel. But done. Button. Selected. Early riser. I presume if I double tap, we'll hear that. Selected. Early riser. Yep. It's beautifully soothing. And I feel some tapping on my wrist telling me to wake up because I will never hear that as a hearing impaired person uh, without hearing aids. I will never hear that, but I certainly feel the taps. First light. Selected. First light. Okay, I'll just go with that, but you can audition these. And I can feel the tap on the wrist now. Early riser. Done. Button. Sleep. Back button. Alarm. Switch button. On. Sounds and haptics. First light. Button. Sound and haptics will play if you wear your what? Bedtime. Heading. 9.30 p.m. Button. Okay, so um, 9.30 p.m. is bedtime. That's early, isn't it? Duration. Eight hours. Next. Button. Double tap next. Your schedules. Heading. Weekdays. New line. Add another schedule. Button. Some days are unscheduled. On days without a schedule, your wake-up alarm will not go off and other sleep features will not turn on. Next. Button. We'll proceed to the next uh, section for now. Next. Sleep. Back button. Time asleep tracking. Your watch uses your motion to detect sleep when you wear it to bed in sleep mode. Enable. Button. We'll enable it. Enable. Sleep. Back button. Sleep mode on watch. Sleep mode will turn off your watch's display and lock it so it won't wake you up. Sleep mode on iPhone. Sleep mode can simplify your lock screen at your scheduled bedtime. It will also turn on do not disturb to reduce interruptions. Enable. Button. We'll enable it. Enable. Sleep. Back button. Wind down. Sleep mode can begin before bedtime to reduce distractions and help you relax. This also turns on do not disturb. 45 minutes. Adjustable. Enable. Button. Enable. Sleep. Back button. Charge reminders. You'll also receive reminders to make sure your watch has enough charge to get through the night. Next. Button. Next. Sleep. Back button. Sleep is set up. Here's a summary of your setup. You can change your schedule or these settings at any time. Schedule. Sleep goal. 8 hours. Weekdays. 9.30 p.m. 5.30 a.m. Features. Heading. Wind down. 45 minutes. Sleep mode. Enabled. Do not disturb. Turns on at wind down. Sleep tracking. Enabled. Done. Button. And that is how you set up sleep. So you could just go to the sleep app on your watch or tell Siri to open it, and it will take you through that configuration process. You'll also be able to keep track of your sleeping data, how much Apple Watch think you've slept. During the beta process, I have heard people give some feedback that they don't think that the sleep measurements in Apple Watch have been very accurate. But to be fair, that was during the beta phase. And hopefully Apple's been collating that data and making tweaks to the algorithm. So now that it's here, now that it's out, now that it's prime time, if you use this, do let me know how you get on with it. And the final thing that I will show you on watchOS 7 is a really fun feature, and this is the hand-washing feature. You will find this setup process under settings, and it's simply called hand-washing. What happens when you enable this is that Apple Watch is looking for a couple of things to be true. 
First, its microphones will be listening for the sound of running water. And second, your hands are making a kind of washing motion. So you've got some soap, you're giving it a good lather, and you're washing your hands. And when Apple Watch sees that both of these things are true, it concludes, all right, they're washing their hands, and it starts giving a countdown. It's actually a fun little incentive, and you can also have some prompting when you get home, if you've been traveling, to wash your hands when you get in. And in this COVID era, that is a really good idea. Now, I don't have a sink close to the microphone in my studio, so we'll go out of the studio. Well, I never thought that I would do a podcast from one of the bathrooms at Mosin Towers, but here I am at the sink. So we're running water and we don't have any sound yet. Got a bit of soap going here. Now I'm going to do the hand washing. And... And there we go. Pretty fun feature. And actually, there is just one more thing before I wrap this up, and that is battery health. Battery health is now available in watchOS. It has been available in iOS for some time now. And this will tell you the health of your battery. It will tell you the capacity at which it's operating compared to when you got it from the factory. I have had no end of trouble with my battery on this Series 5 Apple Watch. And I've Googled on it, and others have had the same problem. But to be fair, you can Google on pretty much any product with a battery and find somebody who's had the trouble. So I don't know whether my unit has been defective. I do know, though, that in recent times, as I've been using watchOS 7, my battery life has become a lot more acceptable, just as I'm getting ready to pass on this Apple Watch because I've already ordered the Series 6. But going in and checking the battery health with a lot of information available to you now, may be able to tell you whether you've got a misbehaving app or whether you have a misbehaving battery that you might need Apple to take a look at for you. There is a lot of good stuff in watchOS 7. Shortcut support has been enhanced significantly. Translate features that we talked about in iOS are also available on the watch new watch faces, lots more besides. So do check out watchOS 7. A few rough edges in voiceover, but there are a lot of new features as well. So it's really good to see voiceover getting some watchOS love. And that is my look at just some of the highlights for me in iOS 14 and watchOS 7. How about you? By the time the next podcast comes out over the weekend, you will have had a play, I'm sure. I'd be really interested in hearing your thoughts. If you're finding any problems that you think we should know about, do feel free to let us know as well. Let me know how you're putting some of these new features to use. To contribute to Mosin at Large, you can email Jonathan, that's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, at mushroomfm.com by writing something down or attaching an audio file. Or you can call our listener line. It's a US number, 864-60-MOSIN. That's 864-606-6736. Mosin at Large.